Notice what the Bible says there in Luke 17 and verse 11. And it came to pass as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice, he glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering and said, Were, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? There are not found uh, that returned to give God uh, glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith have made thee whole. Let's pray. Father, Lord God, we do come before you today, and we thank you, Father, for your word. And we do ask and pray, Lord God, that you would work your word in our hearts, that you would convict our hearts of the truth that is found therein and in the other passages of Scripture. Lord God, I pray that you would get a hold of anyone here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Saviour and that you would continue to convict them regarding their own need for their own sal salvation. Lord, I pray for Christians that are not living their Christian life glorifying you, that they would be renewed and revived to obey you and your word and be serious about those things that glorify you in Jesus' name. Father, I ask and pray that you'd help me convey your word simply and sharply, Fathers, and I pray that you'd be with my, my mouth, my heart, Help me say those things that are Bible truths. Uh, Lord God, help, help me uh, convey your word uh, with fear and trembling in our heart, uh, in my heart, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You ever wonder why God put us on this earth? You ever uh, ask yourself the question, what's the purpose of life? Why am I here? Why did God create me? What's the purpose? I mean, if you, if you ask the average uh, you know, person that doesn't know God or perhaps even haven't heard of God, they'll probably say, well, we'll put here to uh, survive, to live it up or to survive, to have a career. Uh, maybe someone that is morally upright and so to speak in their society say, well, God's put us here to have a family and, you know, see our kids grow and then, and then see our grandkids and so forth. We're, we're here to just live, you know, live, live the normal life, so to speak. But you know what Jesus said? He says, is not life more than meat and life more than clothing? He said, of course. There's, life is more than just meat and drink and putting on clothes. And there is. In other words, life is more, the, more than just living and getting by and, and doing those things that we know that perhaps even some of them God has ordained, like marriage and family and work and all these uh, things that God has put in place. Uh, other people have uh, taken it to the extreme where they go beyond uh, the norm that God has ordained and they go and take drugs and they live immoral, immoral lives and so forth. But even the person that just lives a normal kind of life, is that why God's placed him here on earth? Just to get by and live it up and just, you know, eat, drink, die, that's it, finish? No, there's more than life than just this. And the truth of the matter is that the reality of or the purpose of life in Colossians 1.16 says that God created all things. All things were created by him and for him. We were never ever created to live an independent life outside of God and a relationship with God and a life that serves God 
and fellowships with God. See, in the beginning when God created Adam, there was sweet fellowship. There was harmony. God gave a responsibility to Adam to uh, you know, tend, the, tend the garden. He gave him a wife and, 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 and he said, it's not good for you, Adam, to be alone. So he gave him a wife and, and God was in communion with Adam and, 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 and he named the animals. God gave him that responsibility and he was working with God. He was serving God until the rebellion. Until we see our main problem or at least the problem that we have and that's rebellion against God right from the beginning Adam and Eve disobeyed God and went against God's word God said from every tree from every tree of the garden you shall eat but that tree that is in the midst of the garden that you know declares the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat and the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die and what did they do they ate and then now the curse of death has come upon all men. And our major problem is, is, is not what we see in the world today on the surface issues. It, it, you know, a lot of people uh, want you know, uh, salvation from the surface if issues of life perhaps. Uh, for example, help me with my marriage. I'm about to have a divorce. Help me with my health. I'm, I'm decaying because I've uh, you know, been drinking alcohol, been smoking or this or whatever. They're surface is issues that sin has caused. The reason why we have disease and the reason why we have a cursed ground in the world is because of sin. The reason why these men that we were crying out, uh, you know, uh, have mercy on us is because they were lepers. They were sin infected, so to speak. Physically, you could see the great damage that sin caused. Now, let me just say, you say, what is sin? Well, sin is rebellion against God. It's the transgression of the law. Uh, it is all unrighteousness. Everything that God puts in place and, and, and has a command or instruction, and we, we rebel against that, well, that's sin. And in the beginning, God gave Adam one command. One, just don't touch that. It, it, it's a cursed tree. Don't, don't eat from it. Excuse me. Don't eat from that tree. You can freely eat from all the other trees and the tree of life that's also in the midst of the garden but that tree the one that it's a cursed tree and what do you know our society human beings want to eat or touch or handle everything that is forbidden why because we're living in the sin cursed world their heart is bent to do that which is evil and sin no doubt brings a separation if you will from God and man in Isaiah 59 but your iniquities have separated between you and your God your sins have hid his face from you and he will not hear and you know what happened when Adam and Eve sinned God threw them out of the garden put two cherubims flaming fire protecting the tree of life and now they would have to live in this sin cursed world that's that's our problem the major problem that we have is we're sin infected in Luke 17 and verse 12, the Bible says they entered into a village, Jesus entered into a village, and they met him ten lepers, and which stood afar off. You know, if you were a leper back then, some of them had bells. They would ring a bell, or they have, you know, somehow uh, let the people know that there were lepers coming past. Why? So you're not going to be infected by leprosy, because it was con very contagious. So they stood afar off and they're calling out for Jesus, knowing that he could heal them and believing that he could heal them. And, and, and there's a lot of people today that believe that Jesus is a great healer and that he could heal them and he could help them and they pray to him, but they're not saved. There's a lot of people like that. 
But sin separates us from God, does a lot of damage. That's just a picture there of what sin, you know, spiritually looks like. Inside we're decaying. We're, we're dead corpus. We're, 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 we're sin infected. We, we have iniquity. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. And that's how it looks like in a spiritual sense. Leprosy is a picture of sin. And God allows that to happen to certain people so we can see the severity of it. And the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All means all. doesn't matter who you are. I'm going to get a couple of people to try to help me with this one. Uh, Kevin, if you can come and help me. James, if you can come and help me. You can sit over here, Kevin. Maybe you can help me, Brother Phil, if you don't mind. You can just stand in the middle. And James, you can stand on this chair here. And uh, if you can just stand in the middle there, please, brother. I'm going to quickly illustrate this because we've got a lot of things to go through. But I think it's necessary that you understand what it means for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because we heard two contrast uh, testimonies today. We heard two from you know, uh, children that would be you know, brought up in a Christian home that perhaps you know, they've, they've sinned this much. Uh, uh, sorry, this much. This much. And then John is probably on the lowest spectrum with, with the Apostle Paul and myself. Oh, brother, I was a wicked sinner before I met the Lord Jesus. And so uh, let's pretend that the ceiling is God's glory and his perfection, okay? And so that was John and me and all the other, you know, people that have gone into the world and, and done some wicked, horrible, regrettable things, things that we're ashamed of. And then you have this person that's maybe a churchgoer. We've got some morals, maybe someone like Nicodemus and uh, even the Apostle Paul, who was not only, he said that he was a chief of sinners, but also he was a very religious man. So you, can have, you, can, you can have both. But, you know, trying to attain uh, his, his, you know, uh, perfection, if you will, by his religious acts. And, and so, but the Bible says, for all have sinned. So it doesn't matter if, if, if you were here, here, or here. Oh, this person perhaps looks at this person and looks down and says, well, uh, look at this person, you know, he's just, I'm not as bad as him, you know. And he probably looks up to this guy and says, well, I'm not as good as him. And he's like in the middle and he's comfortable there. It's what we call in, in some sense lukewarmness. And uh, or some people call it purgatory in some religion. It was me. One day I was a Catholic. I was an altar boy. Uh, I knew I wasn't good enough to get to heaven and I sure didn't want to go to hell. And this place called purgatory sounded good. And so there I, I would go and pay for my sin for how long. If people on earth will uh, pray for me and they will give more, then there will be years deducted. But that's not in the Bible. It's not true. But the whole point is here that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter if you are a big sinner a chief of sinners, it doesn't matter if you're in between, it doesn't matter if you're uh, you know, upright and moral, it doesn't matter. Everybody has been infected with leprosy or sin spiritually. We are separated from God. You know why it's harder for the religious rulers to get to heaven? Because they don't see their sin. That's why Jesus said to the Pharisees, you know, uh, you're blind because you claim you see, to see. And the reason why you claim to see is because you don't see your sin. Because they turned around and he opened up the eyes of the blind and said that he had come to do that for that very purpose. And they harked up and said, oh, are we blind? And you are. You're blind as a bat because you don't see your sin. And that's the problem. People, you know, in order for people to get saved, they must see their sin. But religion is one of the greatest hindrances to that. Thank you for that. Let me ask you a question. Have you sinned? 
Remember, sin is transgression against the law. Have you broken God's commandments? Have you loved him with all your heart, soul, strength? Have you loved him with all your might? I haven't. Have you lied before? The Bible says, thou shalt not lie. Have you lied before? Oh, yeah. One guy last night told me, yeah, I've lied, but it was a good lie. And uh, I can probably kind of see that he probably felt that all the lies he's committed is maybe similar to Rahab. I don't know. But I said, come on, there's got to be some bad lies there. He goes, yeah, maybe a couple. So he just lied to me about lying. I mean, the truth of the matter is, well, he was a Catholic and he was trying to say that he was going to get to heaven by his good works. And by the way, that's one of the common denominators, trying to get to heaven by your own goodness and good works. It's, it's, it's a curse. And so therefore you make yourself feel that you haven't done things that are so horrid and wicked and so forth. But uh, what about stealing? Have you ever stolen something? Have you ever, I said, have you ever stolen something? Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you? Have you ever uh, cheated someone? Have you ever cheated on your tax? Have you stolen something? You know, the reason why they're part of the Ten Commandments is because it's God's holy law and perfection that we've all fallen short, and it is a crime to sin against God. It's a crime. As a matter of fact, it looks that bad. I want you to see the next uh, 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 slide there. The punishment for sin is what? Death. Look, at I, the reason why I'm putting this is because that lady looks like she's dying. She's decaying. She's blind in one eye, perhaps, or in two. She's got leprosy. She's infected. And spiritually, Jesus said to the religious rulers that outside you look good, but from the inside you're like dead men's bones. You're a dead corpus. The problem is that people don't see themselves like this lady spiritually. They don't see themselves with leprosy in a spiritual sense. They actually think that they're good people. I mean, if there's one thing that we drive into the hearts of our children is that this is not normal. To lie and still is not normal. It's not God's expectation. It's not God's perfection. It is downright sin and wicked. That's what it is. And that's what you call it for. Else you'll never see. Else you'll never see your sin. You'll never see it if you downplay sin. You'll never see it if you don't look at yourself this way. Because sin brings about physical death, spiritual death, and one day eternal death. And the horrid of what's coming for those that reject and continue to rebel against God is, is awful. It's not good at all. I want you to see the next one here, see. Sin brings forth death. The Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon who? All men, for all have sinned. Everyone has a sin problem. Everyone in this room is decaying. We're dying. We're not getting younger, uh, older, uh, younger. We're, we're, we're decaying. We're not getting healthier. We're getting worse. We're getting health problems. We've got issues. Some of our teeth are falling out. Hair's falling out. Uh, we're getting cramps. And this is from the sin-cursed world. We don't have perfect bodies. That, that just tells you, in a sense, that we live in a corrupt world because it's corrupted by sin. But did you know, just as much as we live in a sin-cursed world and it's corrupted by sin, spiritually we are corrupted. Spiritually we are decaying. We are far from God. And so, 
The Bible says in Revelation 20, verse 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So we have a physical death, a spiritual death. We have separated ourselves from God. Our sins have hid his face from us. And then we have an eternal death. If we die without the remedy, which will be explained in a moment, we will experience the second death. You say, what is the second death? Well, it's not the first death. The first death is when your bones and body go into the ground. The second death is when your spirit and your soul enter into the eternal realm. And if you die without Christ, the remedy for your sin, you will die in the eternal fire. And it's called the lake of fire. And death and hell will cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And who is it? Who goes there? The fearful? The unbelieving? The abominable? Who else? Murderers? You say, how does a little kid at his age have murder in his heart? How did Cain have murder in his heart? That's where it begins, with hatred in your heart. What do you think? If that's nurtured and it's not rebuked, if that's nurtured and not preached against, how do you think they grow up to be serial killers? How do you, th how do you think they grow up killing family members? Uh, it's not a mental issue, it's a sin problem. You know, these days people put it on bipolar, mental issues and so forth. And so, it's sin. Sin causes this. Murders. Whoremongers. Uh, sorcerers, idolaters. All liars. All liars. Look at this. Shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You say, well that's not fair. Why would God do that? Because he's a just God. And he has to deal with sin. See, God is God. You're not God. And you can go and speak against God all you want. I guarantee you. You look in the scriptures. No one ever prospered when they fought against God. You can gnash your teeth at God. You can make a fist at God. But you think it, it doesn't move him at all. Because you know why? He's righteous. He's just. He's good. He's merciful. And he's, he's altogether lovely. And he's holy too. Just the opinions of men... Don't move God from being God. He's always God. And He's always good. And He's always righteous. And He's always holy and He's just. And I love Him. And you ought to love Him. Who do you want to go on the, on the side of the devil that you know, gets in your ear by the propaganda and by the media and by the movies and by the woke movement and all the rest of it that speaks evil against God and, and, and has subliminal messages and indirect way, even preachers behind the pulpit undermine the, the character of God. You're going to listen to them. The proper revelation of God is the word of God of, of himself. A lot of people don't know how God is because they don't read the Bible. Oh, no, 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 I don't want the God of the Old Testament. Well, the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Did you know that was mercy and grace in the wilderness? Did you know there was mercy and grace when every prophet came and says, repent, repent, repent? Yeah, there was mercy and grace all the way through. All the way through. There was mercy and grace. Did you know that God had mercy and grace on Adam and Eve? He had mercy and grace. He always made a way out. He'd always made a provision of redemption for every man in every age. And all of it was a type of Jesus Christ. That one day he will come and he will redeem the world. And those that want to be saved would come to him. I thank God for hearing those testimonies that they come to him. And put their faith in him. 
So how does a person escape the curse of death? Receive Christ, get saved, get forgiven. How does a person enter into the kingdom of heaven? I want you to see, first of all, it's not by good works. And like I said before, this is one of the greatest denominators. You ask the average person today, and you ask them, how would, how would you get to heaven? They say, well, I've been good. I've done good things. And, and the Bible says that all our goodness is like filthy rags. All our righteousness, everything, the best that we can offer God, the Bible says by the prophet, it's like filthy, pus-filled rags. And so most people think they're going to get to heaven because they've been so good. They've been so loving and caring and kind. They've got a big smile from ear to ear like that to everybody except God's people, except the preachers and the prophets and Jesus. They want to crucify them because they preach righteousness and expose their sin, but these you know, wonderful people, they've got big smiles for me to hear, but cannot tolerate those that won't tolerate what God doesn't tolerate. And that's sin. It's sin. But they like doing good works. As a matter of fact, the second greatest commandment is upheld. You say, you just have to do good to others. That's the main thing, is you want to be done to you. you do. I said, that's good. Well, what about the first commandment? Love your God. And by the way, you cannot keep the second without keeping the first. But what's the next one? The next one is the law. Some people think that they're going to keep the law to get to heaven, you know, keep the Ten Commandments. Problem here is that we've broken the law. So James says if you break one part of the law, you're breaking them all. We're lawbreakers. Did you know there's two ways that you can get to heaven? Before you walk out, let me, let me finish. There's two ways. Number one, if you kept the law perfect. Anyone in this room kept the law perfect? No, only Jesus has. So what's the second one? We'll get there in a moment. No one has kept the law perfect. And the Bible says that if righteousness, came, if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is what? He's dead in vain. He died for nothing. But the truth of the matter is, no one is righteous. Jesus says, I've come not to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. No one is righteous. You won't find anybody. We all have sin and come short. And, and people try to keep the Ten Commandments to try to earn their way into heaven. They might keep it better than the average man. But listen, at the end of the day, you've broken one, you've broken all. What about the next one? Experience. A certain scribe came to Jesus and of the Pharisees and said, Master, we do see a sign from thee. And he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. There shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. A lot of people want some sort of experience. They want to see some sort of vision. And let me just say, there are certain things that God uses in our life to draw us to Christ. But experience is not enough. Dreams are not enough. You know, having, having even a, a, a prayerful experience or, or going through the motion of religion and seeing whatever it is. I've seen a lot of things in my life that, that uh, growing up, and I'll have to look back and say that some of these things could be demonic experiences. Have nothing to do with God. They're only there to deceive me. And by the way, anything that causes you to drift away from the Word of God and coming to Christ, it's not of God. If some things in our experience in life are used to draw us to Christ and the Bible and God's Word, wonderful. But experiences are, are best to lead us to Christ. To come to Him... To know and understand that this is the sign that God has given to all men that Jesus would die and be buried and be raised again on the third day. And I want you to see the next one, which is also a common denominator, religion. 
I think what we're fighting against today is that a lot of people are teaching that you can keep your religion as best as you can and you can get to heaven by it. Doesn't matter, you can be a good Catholic, you can be a good Muslim, you can be a good Buddhist, you can be a good Baha'i, and uh, all these ways lead to one God. We all believe in one God, and all these religions lead to one God. Well, I'm afraid Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus isn't a way, Jesus is the way. And Jesus said, not everybody that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. And the will of the Father is that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe and be saved. That's the will of the Father. And the will of the Father is that you grow up in Him in all things. That you be conformed into the image of Christ. That uh, there will be some fruit bearing in your life. And one of those fruits is a desire for the Word of God. And to follow the Word of God. And to follow Christ Himself. It's amazing how many people today, they say, Lord, 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 Lord. But they still want to do things their own way. Even religion, they want to do it their own way. That's what we heard in the testimony. They want to earn God's favour their way. They want to go on their terms. Nah. Can't because there's only one way. And you know what the one way is? God's provision. This is God's mercy. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through who? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. By the way, you can't leave Lord out of it. Amen? You cannot leave Lord out of it. Because Jesus is not only Saviour, but He's Lord. That's the whole point of coming back to God, to make Him the Lord of your life. Well, hang on a minute. Are you preaching Lordship salvation? No, I'm preaching that you come to the Saviour and you get saved and He becomes your Lord and you follow Him. Why do you want to come to Him for? So you can have a ticket to heaven and then go back and walk your own way? And by the way, that's what these nine lepers did. We'll get there in a moment. There's only one that came back and glorified God and realized the, the, the true purpose of his life and, and why God healed him. But nine went back. And he says, where are they? Weren't there nine, uh, ten clans? Where are they? Where are they? Well, they just wanted this salvation kind of, humanly speaking, in their day, but they didn't want to follow him as Lord. How many people are like that today? Oh, have mercy on us physically. But they don't want Jesus as Lord. You know, you can't treat God or the Word of God, listen, like a pizza menu. I'll have that and that, but no anchovies. You know, you've got to have all of it, even the things that you probably don't uh, like. You need to say, Lord, I'm struggling with this and I'm having a hard to accept this, but you know what? You're God, and I know that you work all things together for good to them that love you. You're not wrong. They're wrong. What they oppose on you, they're wrong. They're wicked. You're not wicked. You're good. You're holy. You're just. Your Lord, your God. Who art thou, Lord? Paul said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Who art thou, Lord? See, this is the problem that we have in the beginning. Man wants to become God. And Satan convinced Eve or deceived her to think that she's a God. And you do what you want to do. And hence, the, the problem that we enter in. We want to do what we want to do. Go ahead. Religion, family, life, this, that, whatever. It's all chaos. You don't come and do it God's way. You're in trouble. 
And God's way for all humanity is Jesus Christ. There's no other way. I don't care how wonderful you may be or how you know, wonderful works that you do. It, it, it doesn't matter. It's all filthy rags. It's not going to cover your sin. It's, you know, there's a lot of people out there that deceive Christians. They deceive them by their, 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 their words. They deceive them by their works. There are a lot of people out there that think to get to God is to bypass Jesus Christ and to do it by their own selves. But the Bible is very clear that Jesus is the only way and is by God's mercy upon sinful people. The Bible says in Titus, for we ourselves also were sometimes, what? Foolish. Disobedient. Look, look, look at this list. Deceived. We ourselves are serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after the kindness and the love of God, our Saviour appeared, uh, uh, a Saviour toward men appeared, not by how? Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but how? By His mercy he saved us. Look at verse 6, which He shed on us abundantly through who? Jesus Christ our Saviour. He shed up God's mercy. His love was given to us abundantly through Jesus Christ. So Jesus paid it all. What a beautiful thing that is. I didn't ask him to do it for, that, for me. <laughs> uh, did he ever get that on the street? Yeah, Jesus died for you. Well, I, didn't, I didn't tell him to. Wow. I'm glad he did. I'm glad he died for me. And I'm, I'm rejoicing at the fact that he gave me an opportunity to come back and be, be simply saved and forgiven by the mercy of God. If God were to deal with me according to my sin, I'll be finished. We're talking about it last night. If, God were to, if God's mercy wasn't there for us, we're outside. It was about, how I don't know, it was about 9 o'clock, 9, 9.30 at night. Nikita and I were there standing and we were just... Praising God for his mercy because if it wasn't for his mercy, I said, Nikita, right now you're, you and I will be consumed. You know why you're sitting here today and God lets you live? Because that's his mercy. If God were to deal with you according to your sins, you'd be gone long time ago. Long time ago. You know, I'm astounded at the fact that God lets people live and continue to mock and scoff him. And he lets them. You say, why? Because he's long-suffering. And he's not willing that any should what? And he gives them room to what? Repent. Thank God for that. The Apostle Paul was once a hater of Christians. Persecutor, endurous. I was going to bring that message today, but maybe another day. He said, I was the chief of sinners. And in verse 15, he says, this is a worthy, a, a worthy, a worthy message. This is a, you know, a, a deserve all, it deserves all attention to everybody. That Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. This is worthy. And of all expectation, it's for everybody, and it's everybody to hear, and everybody to listen up, and the whole world knows it. They know him. Some of them perhaps don't know him to some degree like others, but the majority of the world knows him. You know how I know? How many people hate him. Why do you hate him? You know, the Bible says that you love him and you haven't even seen him. And you love him. 
And there are people on the other side, they hate him and they haven't even seen him. So Jesus loves you. I say that, I say that regularly on the street. Oh yeah, him. Oh yeah, him. What, what did he do? What did he ever do for you? Ever do for you? But lay down his life for you. Love you and forgive you and, uh, and have an opportunity to get back right with God. I want you to see that picture here. This is the only way we can get to, to God. The only way that God has declared it. The Bible says there's no, there is uh, neither any salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Only by the name of Jesus. Only by his blood. The Bible says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes uh, were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. I want you to look Luke 17, 15. What's your response to this? How would you respond? And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he, 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 he what? What did he do? He turned back. He turned back and with a loud voice, what did he do? He glorified God. And look at this. And he fell on his face and at his feet, giving him thanks and he was a Samaritan. He wasn't one of those, you know, full-on Jewish zealots that kept the law and the Torah and the sacrifices. He probably wasn't one of those little kids that grew up in a Christian home that knew it all. He's a Samaritan, a dropkick in the eyes of others. And he came back, saw the favour and mercy upon him, and came back to give God glory. How many people appreciate the cross, I wonder? How many people appreciate what Jesus did on the cross, I wonder? Oh yeah, the rain, we love that. Give us rain and food. We, oh yes, give us more. They love it. They love what God gives them materially and sometimes that's not even a month. If it's raining too much, ah. Oh. If it's not raining enough, ah. Oh. It's like God can't do anything right. But did you know and understand that try, God tries to use certain things to cause you to come to him for a spiritual sense? Ever wonder why God allows you to continue in sickness and disease and he may not heal everybody for the purpose that he wants your soul? But some for other people, that it makes them bitter against them. They blame God for everything. They're bitter against him. But not this man. He was thankful. Usually when you read your Bible, there's subheadings. It's usually called the ten lepers. Or in some Bibles, it may be called one thankful leper. I thank God for the thankful lepers that understand what they have in Christ. I thank God for that. I'm not ashamed of that. I thank God for those that give him glory and love the Lord with all their heart, mind, body, and soul. And by the way, I'm going to say to you today, that's not wrong. That's good. That's good. And so your response makes a difference. In verse 19, Jesus said, Thy faith hath made thee, look at that word, whole. Why did he say that? Not only he was cured physically, but also spiritually. This man was given grace. And the Bible says we're saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. 
It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible says, for he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The Bible says that our faith in Christ will make us whole. In other words, cleanse within. Cleanse from our sin. And you know, this faith that God is looking for is not just believing with a uh, kind of a, uh, you know, consenting with the facts. I mean, it's greater than that. A lot of people believe that Jesus died and, you know, was buried, rose again. It's, it's not enough. It's actually believing in or on the Lord to be your personal saviour. The Bible says very clearly in James 2.19 that the devils believe and they tremble. They believe that there's only one God. That's not enough. It's not enough to believe the facts. Do the devils follow God? No, they don't. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. The devils don't follow the Lord. These nine lepers didn't follow the Lord. Did they say, God have mercy? Yes. And, and a lot of religious people, that something happens, God have mercy. Please pray and please heal. Please this. Fine. But you know what God wants to do? He wants to save your soul that's smitten by sin. And so the kind of faith that God is looking for is one that embraces Christ. The Bible says he came to his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave you what? Power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. To them. That receive and believe and call on the Lord and, and, and come back and appreciate God for who he is. Isn't that a blessing? He fell down, verse 16, on his face. What's the purpose of life? What's the purpose of life? Well, I want you to see that he fell down on his face and he gave God glory. And Jesus said, where are the other nine? Weren't there ten cleansed? Where are they? How come they haven't come back and given God glory? You know, you were created according to Revelation 4 and verse 21, I believe it is. Uh, verse 11. That you were created, I want you to see it. Have a look. Have a look in Revelation 4 verse 11. You were created to give God glory with your life. You know, because it's the life that God gave you. It's the life that he gave you as a gift. Did you know that God has gifted you with life? And he's also gifted you with eternal life? They both have to do with God's glory. In other words, God has put you here on earth to glorify him in the way you obey him, serve him, praise him, love him. And if you trust his son as your savior for your sin that separates you from him, then when you die and you enter into heaven, your life is going to be full of praising God. And if you don't get used to it now, then heaven's not for you. Go live your life as a heathen. Go live your life like these nine lepers that want to take from God. 
life, rain, food, this, that. They want to use this world, the whole world. You mean, you look at it, sometimes I, I get this, I look at, the, I, I look at a busy uh, court, you know, food court, and all these people eating, and I'm thinking, how, how many of these people thank God for the food? How many of them? How many of them? How many of them thank God for their taste buds, their hands and their feet and their legs and their eyes? You know why they don't? Because they're selfish. Mate, anyone that lived a selfish life was me. I can put my hand up with the Apostle Paul. Selfish, selfish, sinner, wicked to the core. My heart was deceitful and it was desperately wicked. It was the proper diagnosis of God. I didn't glorify God. You know who I glorified? Myself, my flesh, drugs. Alcohol, pleasure, of what? To glorify self. And you don't, by the way, you don't have to go down that road. You can go down the road of sports. You can train, eat well, live moral, and you want to be the best cricketer, the best footballer. So you can go and get your trophy and kiss it and then go like this. You want the glory. This is our society, folks, let's face it. Which one do you want? Do you want the glory? And it's short-lived? Or do you want God and glorify Him with the life that He's given you? I mean, this is reality. This is, this is the life that we live in. You're either going to glorify self or you're going to glorify God. This is the reality that we live in. And we call and we tell people like Jesus and the prophets says, come back, repent, we're going the wrong way and it's because of sin. Come back, give God the glory. Stop living yourself uh, for yourself and stop doing what you want to do. Come back and do it God's way. And those people that want to gnash are people that don't understand why they were created and why God created them for. But what's the, what's the Bible says? Look at this. Uh, Revelation 4, look at verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord. Oh, yes, he is. Uh, more than worthy. You know what? Worthy has a sense of worth. You're worth it. You're worth it. You're God. Thou art worthy, O Lord. To receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, all things, and for thy pleasure that are and were created. You were created for God's pleasure, for God's glory. And I'll say this to you the moment you live outside of that, here it is depression. Anxiety. You want to kill yourself. You want to kill others. You've got hope. You're never satisfied. You're discontent. All the rest of it. How, how, how much do you want to go through it? But the moment you live for God's glory and you understand why God made you, peace, joy, love, and all these other things. And brethren, when you're walking in the Spirit, you have those things. When you're walking in the flesh, you revert back to the very thing that God saved you out of, and you can see it. You say, oh, no, 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 no. I need to go back and honor God like I was saved to. Amen? I was called to. Out of darkness, into His marvelous light, that we may show forth His praises in a wicked society, still doing our part, Honouring the king, honouring the government, honouring the brotherhood, honouring those that are in authority with love. But when it comes down to uh, making a decision of compromise and, and my authorities tell me to go against God's word, with all due respect, I honour God. Because I love him and I'm here for his glory, not yours. That's why we were saved, Christians. 
will save to give God glory. You see, every single person that appreciated what God did for them, they were at his feet. Remember that woman that was, you know, forgiven? She, she loved much because she was what? Forgiven much? She was at his feet, kissing his feet. You know what that is? Worship. Glory. And that doesn't end. That's in my heart and soul and say one day, Lord, you know when we say, well, Lord, come, come quickly? It's not so we can get out of here and we can escape what we're supposed to be doing as what God called Christians in the world as light, but so we can glorify him more. So we can be at his presence and glorify him like he should be gloried, like those angels that say, glory and honor to him now and forever. And I'll tell you, you live like that, my friend. You're not going to get any praise from the world. That, I'm telling you, you won't get any praise. You'd become a leper, but in a different sense. The outcast in society, but in a good sense. And I thank God for that precious blood of Christ that is able to cover our sin. And give us the Holy Spirit that we can praise God in spirit and in truth. And we can worship him all the days of our life. And when we fall, that his grace is sufficient to pick us up and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That beautiful blood says, come on, my son. I called you to glorify me. I said, yes, Lord. You did? I thank you. I thank you. Weren't there ten cleansed? But only this one stranger has come back to give God the glory and look at him. I just had to put a picture because that's how it looks like. That's how it looks like. Even if you didn't do the, the, the posture, that's how it looks like in your heart. It's bowed. You can, you can be standing or sitting and your heart is bowed at the mercy of God. Thank you for your mercy for giving me life. Thank you for your mercy, Lord God, for blessing me. Even though I was like a sheep gone astray, the rain fell upon me. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy that you sent your son Jesus to come and die for me. And thank you for your mercy, Lord, that you're willing to forgive me even after I'm saved and I fall short at times because I'm trying to learn this new way of life to please you. Thank you for your mercy that carries me through my life. Thank you, Lord. I love you. I worship you. Thank you. One thankful leper. You know, that's why you were created. You were created for that. To thank God. Show him appreciation and worth and honor. Let me ask you a question. Do you know if you die today, where you're going to go? Do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven? And if you're not sure, did you know what Jesus said? The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. If you're not sure, it could be that you're still lost and you haven't come. To have your sin forgiven and cleansed from all unrighteousness. You know for sure that you'd be with the Lord? 100%, not 99.9, 100%. I'm saying to you today, if you don't know, you can know. And it's really just seeing yourself to be a, a leper in need of a saviour. A leper that needs forgiveness and cleansing spiritually. 
And you come and you say, have mercy upon me, Jesus. And he does. He's willing. He has mercy on all that call upon him and that fear his name. Let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy. And to our God, he will abundantly pardon. When? When? Now. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Because one day, that opportunity will be taken away. When's the day of salvation? Today. Today's the expected day. When you hear his voice, harden not your heart. So you know what he said that? Because the more you hear the message and you reject it, the harder your heart, the harder that your heart gets. That's all. It, it, it's harder not your heart. The message should soften it. But if it's hardened, then you need to say, Lord, please, allow me to be this soft clay. I don't want to kick against the pricks. I want to humble myself before you. I want to be saved. I want to worship you all the days of my life. I want to be a thankful leper. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.